Diamond Club Baseball has produced elite athletes for 10 years now and is even trusted by your Colorado Rockies to run their scout team program. Diamond Club is based right here in Denver, and their goal is to treat player development just like it's a minor league organization so that your child can be set up for the ultimate success. Everyone works together to make sure that everyone's getting the proper instruction that they need to help youth athletes grow and to become great ball players yet enjoy the game. That's why I have my son playing with Diamond Club because it's it's a great way to really show them they're, they're learning baseball the right way. That was Sean. As he mentioned, his son plays on a Diamond Club team. They offer multiple summer camps, private lessons, high school teams, and youth competitive teams. Plus, their prices are more affordable than their competition. Diamond Club has very fair price. You know, when you kind of pay and know that all fees for the tournaments, fields, uniforms, and instruction are taken care of, as well as getting access to some of the things that other programs don't offer, like entire team instruction and fitness programs, you know, the whole package to really make sure that a ball player ends up a well-rounded youth athlete. Believe us when we tell you that after experiencing the knowledge, positive attitude, work ethic, and fun that their summer camps provide, your child will want to play on one of their teams. Check out diamondclubbaseball.net today to learn more. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We're going to talk about everything from, uh, you know, athletic builds to ball skills. And, and on we go, and down the line from there, right? Fill in all the blanks in between, yes. Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that I really like. But he's just a marvelous interior penetrator. Special, special, special kid. What an abundance of choice you have with these interior defensive linemen in this class. Kyler Murray, as long as he gets to draft day healthy, he will make more money. He's been asked the question. He's had multiple opportunities to say, I signed with the A's. I'm going to honor my commitment there. This isn't even a conversation. And he hasn't done it. That's all he has to say. And maybe after the Bama game, it's like, geez, he's not just a first rounder. He's a top 10 pick. Frankly, I would take him ahead of Herbert right now. And I think it'd be a toss-up with Pascal, 100%. And now, here's your hosts, Andre Simone and AJ Hayfully. Welcome into the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast, presented by Elixinol. If Jake Palmer has endorsed Elixinol's hemp balm and provides him and his family with the endless benefits of CBD, then you should too. This is a non-THC product, and 5% of your purchase goes to a non-profit of your choice. Visit elixinall.com to get yours today. Whew. Whew. Indeed. We are back here with another Friday edition of the Draft Podcast. I'm AJ Hayfley alongside Andre Simone. Oh, yes. We are here to talk about 2020. Yeah. Because in May of 2019, that's a totally reasonable thing to do. Hey, man, we're always looking forward. Yeah. We are looking forward. Long-term outlook of the Broncos, that's uh, that's what we're all about. Yeah, we're always playing the long game. We sure are. We only play the short game when we absolutely have to on draft week. Yeah, and uh, I'm not much of a golfer, but even though I'll play putt-putt sometime. I used to be. Much bigger fan of the, the long than the short game. Uh, one of the last times I played, I got a hole-in-one and decided it wasn't going any better than that, so I just decided I was good. Wow, you figured you'd peaked and you, you called it <laughs> pretty, quits. Pretty much. I got my name on the oh. plaque in the clubhouse and everything. And and I was like, I'm good. 
gamblers could learn a lesson from uh, from your your golfing yeah. decision there. Yeah, I'm, well, I mean, sometimes you have to re- recognize when you're at your pinnacle in certain areas of life and and move on. You said it, bro. Good for you. So you know, that's self awareness. It's yeah. important. In <laughs> no, life. this sure is. Well, speaking of the long game. Yeah, speaking of self awareness, speaking of the long game in 2020. We're going to get into a little bit today about how the 2019 draft made sense for Denver from a 2020 perspective. Yes. Yeah. Because there were decisions that were made that were perfectly justifiable, mm-hmm. given what we already know and suspect about the draft class next year. Yeah. You know, we talked a little bit about inside linebackers and wide receivers. We talked a little bit about the tackle class and how a guy like Jonah Williams could provide value just as a, as a Garrett Bowles buffer, just in case, you know, all those things. And that's what we're going to get into today. They avoided those positions. One of the positions they did not avoid in 2019, however, was quarterback, which has long been the apple of the NFL's eye when it comes to the 2020 class. Yeah, and we've had we've we've broken it down a little bit in the past because the 2019 versus 2020 has always been an interesting debate um, as far as the quarterbacks go. But now we can really get into the nitty gritty a bit more about that, especially since we know what the Broncos did end up doing with quarterback, and looking specifically at how Drew Locke stacks up with these other guys in the 2020 class, and you know. Just remember, as good as guys look a year out, you'll have the Stithams and the Ryan Finleys of the world who didn't have great seasons last year when we were were projecting them as potential first-rounders. You have guys like Josh Allen who, coming into the 2018 draft, Mm -hmm. that 2017 tape looked really good and then kind of fell flat on his face in 2018 and... Still went high, um, still well, promising. I mean, but Baker Mayfield wasn't a first round pick going into that class. Far from it. I and mean, last year Kyler Murray wasn't a first round pick. Dwayne Haskins? Who knew Dwayne Haskins right. was going to be a, a pro prospect? Well, and like we, you That's, always wonder, like you say, hey, this is a high recruit, <coughs> you know, at a at a major Power Five school, not just a Power Five school, but yep. one of the big ones, right? Um, that that it produces tons of talent every year. Mm-hmm. There's always an opportunity for one of those cats to go off. Uh, and we we see it every year, and you know what's what's interesting about next year's class is that we have those guys already on the radar walking in. Yeah, and there's always going to be surprises even then. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, where's your Carson Wentz going to come from? Yeah, no doubt. You know, who's no. like, of course, the ultimate story of, oh well, this this guy this guy that didn't even play, what is it now, FBS? Right. Is yeah. is is Drafted second overall. Right. By a team that traded up multiple times to get him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's always interesting with the quarterbacks, the yeah. league risers. Um, and Daniel Jones certainly wasn't on anyone's oh, yeah. radar. I mean, coming it, into the year. it was, Mel Kuyper was on it like halfway through the year and was like, right. he's a first rounder. And everybody right. was kind of like, okay, dude. Right. Yeah. Who would have thought it's sixth overall? Yeah. NFL be tripping, yo. You said it, man. 
Um, I love the tweets of New York got the Duke athlete they really wanted. Yeah. uh, Daniel Jones photo. Amazing. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, let's get into the the nitty-gritty here. Obviously, Tua Tagovailoa is the headliner of this class. Mm -hmm. Uh, The numbers he put up, you know, ever since that just a breakout national championship second half, I'm I'm starting to get my dates confused. Um, in 2017, I guess it'd be the 2017 national championship, but it actually happened in 2018 because it's in early January. Yeah. Comes in second half, lights up Georgia, um, just a vertical passing. And brings from, them back. Yeah, and he's a lefty, which makes him intriguing as well. And then his first full season as a starter uh, was just unbelievable through the regular season where we started to see holes in his game was once the sec championship started and the national championship against two nfl caliber defenses like clemson and georgia and we really started to see the big hole in Tua Tagovailoa's game is his decision making and the fact that he can be a real gunslinger he can really force things and that's concerning. And once you see that, once you know, it's it's nice to dominate in the regular season, but we also need to remember he's dominating when he has an NFL offensive line, one of the better tight ends in all of college football, and Herb Smith Jr., who still was a borderline top fifty pick. Two wide receivers we'll be talking about plenty. Um and yeah, so you dominated, and you're kind of expected to. But then mm-hmm. having those struggles against top defenses really opened some eyes to, okay, maybe he's not this quarterback messiah right. that we're all making. This isn't quite be. Andrew Luck. Yeah, definitely not. And that doesn't even take into account the fact that he's a he's a bit undersized. Well, and his, his ankles might just be Peter Fordbergian. So yeah, and the injury concerns are real. Yeah. Like this guy gets banged up. He, he's always nicked up. He pulls something. something. Yeah, right. It's... Any anytime he runs, and he's a great athlete. Like he mm-hmm. can break off nice runs. It's always one of those where if you're an Alabama fan, you're holding your breath because you're like, oh man, get out of bounds, get out of bounds, yeah. get out of bounds, get out of bounds. Don't get touched. Don't I get mean, touched. Even if he slides, he yeah. might not come out. That's what I'm saying. Get out, get out of bounds and run to your own sideline. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Um, so how Tua goes will be really interesting. I think it's been interesting how these early 2020 rankings have come out. He doesn't seem to be the consensus top prospect in this class. Um, there's a lot of love for some of the top wide receivers. Mm -hmm. Chase Young, the phenomenal pass rusher who really exploded once Bosa went out last year at Ohio State. Mm -hmm. It seems to be at the top of most boards right now. I've been very high on him uh, for a while. I mean, how could you not be? The guy is unbelievable. And could you have imagined Ohio State last year, like, had Bosa stayed healthy and that dude was just chilling? Yeah, no kidding. Like, destroying Ohio Ohio State's second team in practice. Especially since they made it, like... Ohio State just barely missed the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You wonder how much Bosa could have changed that equation. I mean... That game against Purdue, which, going back to Locke, you stack up Haskins against Purdue and Locke against Purdue, it's not even close. Yeah, They both played Purdue 
last season, Locke was way better than Haskins. And yeah. Missouri won. Ohio State got upset. That was like... Extenuating circumstances. Yeah. But, um, so, yeah, that's... Uh, that's I definitely take two above Locke, but how you know, here's the other thing. We talked about this with Kyler, we talked about this with Haskins. Tua's just a one year starter. Um Yeah. Well and the nice thing is he's a one year starter today. Right. He will not be right. once he gets Come drafted. roll around draft time. Yeah. And that's that's where you worry about the injuries. Because if right. that guy gets hurt and he misses this season, then you're probably taking him out of this class. I think realistically. Yeah. Because everybody else will be on the field. Yeah. For sure. So, it's going to be it's I think I I think looking at the class and knowing that I think Denver with or without Locke and obviously Locke isn't expected to play this year. Um, but I think it would have been really difficult for Denver to get into a, a position to go after these quarterbacks anyway. You know, we're talking, if these guys live up to their hype, you know, Tua, uh, Fromm, Herbert, these, some of these guys are all going to, you know, these are going to be top 10 guys again. Mm-hmm. And I think there's enough talent regardless of the quarterback. Yeah. You know, I mean, we saw Case Keenum led them to a certain place last year. Mm-hmm. And honestly, if Chris Harris and Emmanuel Sanders don't get hurt, who knows? Right. That 10th pick might have easily been the 15th pick. It, in a blink you, of an eye. The funny part is, is I mean, think about the the, the Houston game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's an easy one to flip right there. Yep. Of course, there's really the is. Pittsburgh game that could have flipped the other way just as easily. Yeah, no, but, I mean, there is more than a handful yeah. last year. Um, but that's that's kind of the, the thing, though, is that you, you make a marginal upgrade at the most important position – and and I'm ex- I'm I'm really am expecting that from Blacko. You're talking about they're going to be in they're they're not going to be in a position yeah. to to be able to just sit tight and take one of those guys. They would have been they they're more than likely going to be in a position where if that's what they wanted to do, they were going to have to give up the 2021 first, 2021 first right. as well as the 2020 first to move up um, far enough to go after one of those quarterbacks. Yeah. And that's assuming that's that, a conservative estimate. And well, and that's two first. That's also assuming that the teams in the top five are quarterback needy teams. We don't know what that top five looks yep. like. Yeah, you know, this year's top five was weird in that there were teams that were perfectly content to just not take a QB. Yeah, it was a weird first round in general. It, well, I mean, the top of the draft, you're always like, okay, which of these teams need quarterbacks? And you were like, well, that one doesn't need one, and that one doesn't need one. Right. The team that the, the team that picked first overall and took a quarterback didn't need one. Yeah, no kidding. Right. So it was it was that strange right. of of a season. Yeah. So it's it's to me, I think it's it's interesting that they made the decision that they did, and and I mean, getting Drew Locke in the second round. Yeah. I mean. I mean, it's great value. Yeah, it's and and it gives them a realistic look at a at a long term prospect mm-hmm. that they can they can grow. And Joe Flacco, you know, hopefully is still young enough. We're seeing these guys yeah. are playing into their 37, mm-hmm. 38, 39 right uh, age seasons now. And so if you look, if you look at Joe Flacco at a, just thirty four years old, and you say, hey, if he can pull that off, you know, this guy might be healthy for a number of years here. Mm-hmm. Like this might just 
just be the very beginning of what could be a multi-year situation with these two cats. Yeah. Yeah, it's really true. And the beauty of Drew Locke is the risk is so minimal with just drafting him in the second is yeah. that if the team completely tanked this year, you could pull an Arizona Cardinals and be like, you know what, we're going to take Tua. Yeah. And the beauty and say, is... You know, hey, we had a, a year of, of Drew Locke, but we feel like this guy could change our franchise. Right. And, you know, Drew Locke can continue to be our backup. Right. 100%. And, and, and then you, you turn him into a different Missouri quarterback and you make him chase Daniel. Why not? And then you could always flip them. I mean, that's the thing. There's no such thing as having too many quarterbacks. Seriously. The NFL has shown us you have a good backup, you can flip them for a reasonable draft return. Usually a day two pick. Uh, which, you know, you add that to the arsenal when you already have a second, third, you might get a couple late compensatory picks. So you can mm-hmm. you can do some things. Absolutely. Um, so, then we get to Jake Fromm. Who, for some reason... A well, year not, from now probably won't be in this conversation. <laughs> right, because I'm not even sure he's good enough to declare early. You know, the first half against Alabama was eye-opening. The first half this past season yeah, was where you're, where you're like, whoa! Yeah. This dude is slinging the football all over the mm-hmm. field. It's a really good defense. Right. He was poised. He was making great reads. He was yeah. all the decisions. The ball was coming out on time. Yeah, it came out with zip. Yeah. The placement was high end. Everything about what he was doing in that first half was it was. I mean, it was eye opening because right. you're you're talking about a guy that had been very college game managery. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. You know where you're just like, oh, you know, he can make a quick decision. He he can make the three step drop. He's spending a lot of time checking down, right. throwing to his running backs because yeah. he's had. A stable of excellent running backs yeah, behind him. Sony Michelle's already a Super Bowl champion. Nick Chubb had an amazing season, right? And, uh, and then he followed it up with Elijah Holyfield. Yeah, who's, and Swift, who's oh, unbelievable. Oh, Swift's going to be DeAndre incredible. Swift. Um, yeah, and you see him just throwing to a lot of open guys, right? right? And just safe throws, and that's what he's living off of. That's not going to cut it in the NFL. Those aren't projectable NFL throws. That Alabama game was. Right. And we're seeing better ball placement, much better velocity, Mm -hmm. which you referenced already. If he can do more of that, then the hype could be warranted. Yeah, he needs to be that guy way more often than one half of one game. Right. Because he wasn't even that guy in the second half of that game. Nope. Halftime hit, they made some adjustments, they made life miserable for him, and that offense ground to a halt. They they were stuck in quicksand the entire second half of that game. Yeah. And he's very reminiscent to me of, you know, you fast forward like three years ago when Jake Browning was coming off his sophomore year. And everybody was losing their minds about Jake right. Browning. and He's and getting Joe Montana comps and... Um, that still blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, those are silly segments you see on TV sometimes, you know, so take it with a grain of salt. But, you know, and... Another extreme, and the hype with him is that he was able to start at a major program as a freshman, won a lot of games, and people aren't looking beyond that. And when you do look beyond that, you realize that more than anything, he was maybe the main reason Georgia wasn't able to win the Natty uh, when he was a freshman, or wasn't able to win the SEC last year, because he does have some shortcomings, and this is another guy who wasn't great against LSU, for example. 
Uh, and, you know, that's that's concerning. And more than Jake Browning, he also reminds me of Andy Dalton, one of the most winning quarterbacks in FBS history. Mm-hmm. And we've yeah. seen Dalton have a solid career, but the arm leaves something wanting. And he's, he's kind of a West Coast college game manager and can't get much yeah. past that. Or, you know, game manager. Obviously, well, there's, he's been there's, a solid pro game manager. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a reason that there was a hard ceiling on Cincinnati's best years. Yeah. And it's, it's, not, to say it was, it's not to say it was, a, a, like, all his fault. Yeah. But, uh, that they couldn't win a, a playoff game. But you never felt like, even though they were in the postseason, you never felt like those teams were scary to anybody. Right. Like, you always felt like, right. hey, they could, maybe they win around. You know, maybe they beat Pittsburgh the one year they should have. Sure. Uh, yeah. And and then they lose the next week. Right. And it was really built around, oh, we have a healthy A.J. Green. We have a healthy mom mm-hmm. at Sanu. Uh, Tyler Eifert's playing his best. Like, yeah. when all those pieces were clicking and the O-line was good, <coughs> yeah, Dalton could be yeah. a 10 And they had that dynamic backfield duo. Right. You know, you had, the, you, had, you had the receiving option. You had the running option. Mm-hmm. Right. Who were both very good at what they did. Yeah. Uh, and then everybody sort of started to slip at the same time, and it was like, nah. Right, and what's interesting is these first two guys we've mentioned in the SEC, Drew Locke blew from production out of the water in his last two years as a starter compared to Fromm's last two years as a starter. Yeah. With way less talent around him. Right. I mean, way less in the same conference, the same division. Sure, but also way different situations. Sure, you know where you're. It's not a run first off. Exactly, you're not. You're not. Missouri's not producing five, uh, four draft picks at the running back position. No, or an in, NFL in caliber tight end, a wide receiver, multiple wide receivers or, that get drafted. I mean, O linemen who are studs. Right, Harmon and, and uh, Ridley both just got drafted. Yeah. So you're talking, and yeah, the see. offensive line just keeps churning out players mm-hmm. who are getting drafted. Oh, yeah. Isaiah win a first-rounder last year. Yeah, the I mean, they're, they're, this they're year. Wisconsin East right now. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. Wisconsin is Georgia's central? <laughs> right. Georgia right. North? Right, yeah. Flip that <laughs> around. Exactly. Flip that yeah. around. Um, so, I mean, blink of an eye, I'd take lock. A thousand times out of a thousand over from today. Today, of course, there. There's, there's these still guys like stories aren't written yet. Right. This I mean, go back. That really matters is about to come for them. Right. I mean, would you have taken Locke a thousand times out of a thousand with eligibility left on on in his career versus from? Because that's that's the conversation we're having right now. Right. I mean, if they were both so. draft eligible and the draft was held today, yes, I would. I would take Locke. Yeah, well, right. And, like, not having seen the end of Frost. Right, either, right. So. In a Devi league, which I'm in, it's a dynasty league where you can pick guys who are a year out. Oh, who knows? Maybe the conversation's more interesting. I personally would have taken Locke, just because yeah. I think those traits are so much more it's, exciting and enticing and harder to teach. And We haven't seen the NFL upside out of from very much. Barely at all. Like, it was the one game. That was the first time I've ever watched him and thought, whoa. Yep. Two years into all the hype, we finally saw a glimpse of it for in two half. quarters. Yeah. 
Yeah. So if that if and that's the thing, like that's for me that it's crazy that 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 is enough to justify even having this conversation right now. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Because the position is that important that a guy who's been hyped up for a long time finally starts to touch that potential. Ever so, like he's tapping on it. Yeah. Like right, tapping on right. the like a little bird outside the window, tapping on the, the potential window there. <laughs> tap, 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 tap. And we all go crazy for it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, so, you know, versus like Tua puts up an entire dominant season. <laughs> right. And all it takes is two games where we're like, eh, yeah, well, we're know. like, well, what about those games where he didn't dominate? Right. <laughs> And from, we're not talking about anything other than one half of one game where we're like, well, that's the one half that we are, you know? Right. If he can, if he can do that all the time, and then too, it's, it's funny how that works, right? Like, Talk about confirmation bias. Oh, yeah. Well, and also, I mean, that's where, I mean, it's a phenomenal example of prospect fatigue, where you look at a guy and you're looking for reasons to ding him, mm-hmm. and Fromm's not even on the radar, so you're like, his entire career is a ding. <laughs> and then he has two quarters where you're like, well, I guess we'll unding him for those two quarters, <laughs> right, and then... Right. Go back to looking for reasons. Right. Totally. Um, and then the other big name is Justin Herbert out of Oregon. Who, who had a great start to the year. Oh, my God. I feel like we've been talking about him forever. Talking well, about prospect you, fatigue. Dude, you and I, texty, texty, all over the place, oh, all year yeah. long about the guy. Yeah. Because we're like, oh, no, this is exactly the kind of guy that John Elway is going to fall in love with, and he's going to do something stupid on draft day to make sure he gets. And then Justin Herbert played it smart. And said, I'm going to go back for one more year. Great decision by him, honestly. Because the more the NFL was going to pick him apart, I think we would have seen a a realistic chance that that dude could have experienced the kind of fall that Drew Locke did. Yeah. Because outside of those couple of games where he was really, really, really good, especially that Stanford game, which, of course, they they ended up losing. Mm -hmm. Um, really questionable tape this year. It was yeah. very up and down. He fell apart by the end of last year. And once his O-line started to go down, he really, really struggled. I mean, we talked about it during the season. That Alab- that uh, Arizona game was just like, who is this imposter? What have you done with Justin Herbert? Because he couldn't complete, he couldn't complete a 10-yard pass. Everything was off. It was shocking. Um, and th- it was kind of like watching, uh, who was it, the, the Washington State two years ago? Uh, Luke Falk. Thank you. He had where, one game where he fell apart. Yeah, where he just completely, it was, it was. Couldn't complete a screen pass. Yeah, it was like, it was like football Chernobyl, where you're like, dude, what just mm-hmm. happened to this guy? Mm-hmm. Like, this is an NFL talent, this is an NFL arm, who just. Melted down yeah. in front of us. Yeah, they had to put Cole Hikatini in, and they actually won that game. Right. Yeah. R.I.P. to Cole Hikatini. Um, and Herbert's interesting argument with Locke because both I think Herbert bigger, bigger, taller, probably a better athlete too. Mm-hmm. So frame and athleticism, just pure natural talent. He has the advantage over Locke. Mm-hmm. I think arm talent, if we're talking strictly power, Locke is ahead of Herbert and a better, like, like more consistent deep ball, though I've had concerns with that from Locke. I don't think it's by much. I don't yeah. feel like it's a big gap there. 
No. A no. good year from Herbert, I think, would Oh, sure. For that. Yeah. yeah. The thing to me about Herbert, and it's interesting because it's similar to the concerns we had a calendar year ago about Locke, is processing speed. It's And I think once his O-line started to get hurt, he did struggle under pressure. And it's... It's a different struggle under pressure than maybe Locke where his footwork falls apart and Mm -hmm. uh, he's making boneheaded decisions or his accuracy starts weaning. Mm -hmm. He holds on to the ball too long. He's Because he is more athletic, he's more of a runner Mm -hmm. and would sometimes force runs when he doesn't need to. He's got that belief in himself that every play he can can pull something out of it. And I'll never get out of my head the live viewing I saw of him against Josh Allen. Again, two years ago. And I'm sitting in... The press box was so crowded at Wyoming, they had me in a side press box. And we're right next to the Oregon coaches. Oregon's blowing Wyoming out, as you'd expect them to. Mm -hmm. And yet, so many of the throws Herbert made, the coaches' box is going crazy before the ball's even coming out because they know he's making the wrong decision. Mm -hmm. And that's what he does. Decision-making isn't great, and he can be slow to get it out. His timing, that anticipation, stuff, man, that makes me needs so nervous. Needs to come around. It sure should. Like, like you talk about accuracy and how important that is. You know, I can live with an erratic quarterback a little bit. You know, don't don't give me like the Tim Tebow. I'm going to spike it into your feet. Right. You know, six times out of ten. Yeah. But accuracy is one of those things where I'm like, it's great if you have it. Like that's amazing. Mm-hmm. But if it's just a little bit off. If it's a little inconsistent, if you're making the right reads and the right decisions, man, I'll live with that. Like, that's, oh, yeah. for me, I think over the last couple of years, it's really developed into probably, like, my strong quarterback bias is the guy that's, I'm less impressed by physical ability mm-hmm. and more impressed by the mental side of things. 100%. And watching him, how they process the game. and Because how many times have we seen... Physical, I mean, guys with all the, all the physical talent in the world go to the NFL and just get chewed up and spit out. Sure. You have to be able to think the game fast enough. Mm-hmm. Or just not be able to take their game to that next level. Yeah. And it's the advantage Brady has over everyone. Brady's probably the least, we talk about raw talent, the least raw talented NFL starter in the league right now. But because of everything in, in you a, described. Through most of his career. Yeah, 100%. Like, the guy was justifiably a sixth round pick. Oh yeah, just like like based on his his tape and his right. his projection and all of that. Yeah, if his name was different, the NFL would draft him no higher than the sixth round every single year. Right. Again and again and again and again. I mean, even in and that was back then when the statue quarterback was in. Yeah, what now when you're criticizing Haskins for not being mobile? Enough? Yeah, for sure. Like what happens to Brady's? Yeah. Yeah. You know, a guy that a guy that can just think and he's got the work ethic mm-hmm. and he can process the game and he just he understands everything at a really at, and he just he just gets it. It just clicks for him faster than everybody else. And that's I mean that's a huge separator for yeah. those guys that that can survive. Yeah, and <laughs> or in his case, I mean sur- survive. Right. right. Yeah. He's to, to, to thrive at a level that will maybe never be replicated in NFL history. Yeah, no kidding. Um, and that's, it's interesting. I wonder how much of this exact conversation was going on in the Broncos draft 
in the Broncos' war room. Uh, because we know that... Elway, or s- certainly in the weeks leading up to it, right. where they're saying, hey, how aggressive are we going to be come draft day of when it comes to these guys? Right. You know, where Drew Locke doesn't go in the first round, they get into the second round, and then and then it was like, oh, okay, like this is the top quarterback on our board, this is our guy, we're really feeling this kid. Now let's go ahead and, and start to try and get aggressive for him. But even then... Let's make sure we get an offensive lineman to protect him first. Yeah, no kidding. And, I mean, because Elway saw him live. Word around the street is Elway liked Herbert and was mentioning him by first name at the Combine, you know, like Justin. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah. Like I, a dude with, like a, like, a teeny bopper crush. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Justin! And then after the top three. Yeah. It's a lot of unknowns. Yeah, after for me, that's it's wait and see. It's after that, a like, whole wait and see, and we'll have Sam a Ellinger whole doesn't year. do it for me. There, there needs to be a massive step forward mm-hmm. by Sam Ellinger for me to take that seriously. Right. It's like, is he a bigger JT Barrett or like Tim Tebow, yeah. or is he a legit NFL quarterback? Exactly. I've been high on Kellen Mond. I know you're not as much the A and M quarterback. There needs to be a ton of development oh, yeah. there in the passing I mean, game. There's for no Kellen. doubt. Because, I mean, he's not in any way a natural passer. There's, I don't feel like there's any real feel for that part of the game and that his development, if we're talking about him as an NFL quarterback, there's got to be massive steps taken uh, by him in the next year, two years, before I start taking him seriously as an NFL prospect. Yeah. So there's, uh, once you frame it that way, that... Uh... That decision to get the quarterback now and not wait till 2020. Well, and again, the big X factor, second round did it. Mm-hmm. They did it with their third pick. Right. Not, hey, we're going to put this, you know, we're not improving. Right. They went and they got two guys who were going to play for them first mm-hmm. and then addressed that position, which right. is a huge part of that equation. Right. A huge part of it. Well, still adding draft capital for 2020. Right. Right. Which is key here. I mean, it just gives you so many options, so much flexibility. So I was a real fan. When you look at it through that frame of 2020. Absolutely. That's an exciting one. Let's go ahead and take our first break here. We're going to come back on the other side. We're going to look at some other positions that they did not go all in on at the draft and why that may be in terms of uh, 2020, the 2020 class and where its greatest strengths lie. Don't go anywhere. It's the PSM Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Lixnall. What's up, guys? Ryan Konigsberg here, and I got to tell you about the Blake Street Tavern. It's my favorite sports bar in town, as evidenced by the fact that we had our fantasy draft there. It's where I watched Super Bowl 48. It's where I watched CU win a Pac-12 basketball championship back in the day. Uh, It's the place to be for any sporting event. It's the biggest bar in town. I always joke you could land a 747 in there. It was named the National Sports Bar of the Year in 2017 by Nightclub and Bar Magazine. It wins Best Sports Bar in Denver seemingly every year from Westward, anyone else that's voting. It's the place to be. Uh, They've got great specials, and the food is out of this world. I recommend the nachos, the green chili fries, uh, the buffalo chicken wrap. You name it, they've got it, and the location is perfect. Just two blocks north of Coors Field, and they have parking. So go check out the Blake Street Tavern. Welcome back in segment number two here of the PSN Broncos Draft Podcast. I'm AJ, he's Andre. Oh, yeah. Let's get into this. Yeah. Denver's big splash at the wide receiver position. 
was trading up for Chuan Winfrey in the sixth round. Yep. We were talking with the third round as the draft went on. Mm-hmm. We were talking, okay, they've got a, they've got the tight end. Mm-hmm. No. They got the they got the offensive lineman. They yeah. got the quarterback. Oh. Check in boxes. Just needs. Yeah. Just down the line. They get to the third round, and you and I are like, okay, they need to take an Ohio State kid here. Mm-hmm. It's either got to be Terry McLaurin, yep, the speedster yeah. with a ton of potential. Yep. Great special team or team captain, all that. Yep. Or they're going to take Draymond Jones and fill that need, uh, the, a collapse the pocket inside rusher at the DT spot. Yeah. That's where they went. Day two, day, day two goes by, no wide receiver. Day three gets to the end of day three. They finish their day three by taking a guy who was kind of a ghost at Colorado. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. that they've taken a big swing on just potential with Juwan mm-hmm. Winfrey. Yep, 100%. It's a position that they invested heavily in in the draft last season, using a second and a fourth rounder with mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. Yep. They don't have what anybody would consider to be a number one anymore with Demarius Thomas gone yep. and, and kind of aged out in yep. any way. They've got Emmanuel Sanders as their top veteran wide receiver coming off of a major injury. Mm-hmm. Yep. And they're hoping that they get some steps forward from Sutton, Hamilton, you know, maybe Tim Patrick, Juwan Winfrey. Right. Regardless, this is still one of the positions on the roster where you look at and say, whoa boy. Yeah, especially because they've done such a good job of patching up some major needs on offense. Absolutely. This is that one of the few areas that you look and you think, hmm. I mean... The quarterback room is totally some, different yep. than last year. Yep. Way upgraded at yep. all the spots. O-line, you added two really solid starters. Absolutely. Between and, and John that, James and Rizzo. And you lose Paradis. Yep. And so that right. hurts. Right, right, right. If you could have added those guys to Paradis, that would have been great. Even more of an upgrade. But we don't know what Paradis is going to look like coming back from another big-time injury. Yep, 100%. And, you know, maybe he's great and he, you know, he'll... Like, wish him all the best in Carolina. Right. We don't know what that looks like. Yeah. And so it was a tough roll of the dice to spend a lot of money on that. Um, But regardless, they've upgraded all these positions around them. You know, the tight end position, you know, with with Noah Fant, Jake Butt, and Jeff Hireman, I feel like you have a trio of guys, you know, with with obviously with Butt's injury history. And still have Troy Fumagalli. Yeah, which is still, you know, again, like you're, we don't know. Yep. He was on IR all of last year. We don't know. We yep. just don't. 100%. He he followed the tr- the trend of all these Big Ten tight ends that they draft. Yeah, totally. Every one of them spent the rookie year on IR. Yeah. You know, remember Jeff Hireman got the first day of his r- rookie mini camp, and he's running a straight line on a kickoff drill, and he blows out his knee, and you're like, what? Yeah, in fact, I got a notification that Noah Fala, the like backup offensive lineman, Nico Fala, Nico Fala, and I just, you know how your mind, I got a notification and you kind of skim read. Yeah, and you see the end and the F. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I had a mini heart attack yeah. for a second because I totally thought that was Noah Fan. Yeah. Well, Oof. it's it's like he needs to be put in like quarantine until training camp starts. Oh yeah, and then hope for the best. Yeah, play in bubble wrap for now, kid. Yeah. No, um, I don't even do it. 
let him let him like go to go to class and and learn and do <laughs> right. all the things that he needs to do. Right. Let him go to football school. But don't right. put him, don't let him on the field right now. And the other part in all this, and we've talked about this a decent amount while previewing this wide receiver class and the looking at guys who would fit a specific need for the Broncos as currently constructed with Joe Flacco on the team, with Drew Locke, because they're both big arms that you want to use to stretch defenses vertically because that's going to open everything else up. Yeah, That's the principle in Scangarello's offense. That's one of the areas where this new school... Shanahan offense deviates a little from what we grew up on, the Rod Smiths and the Ed McCaffreys is. These guys know how to use speed a little more. Right. And we don't quite have that, especially if Sanders is a shade of himself, which we hope right. he's – it sounds like he's recovering nicely, so we hope. And Even that's that, where – A 30 guy that's in his 30s coming off what was on an Achilles, Achilles, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, and so you're talking one of those things that – it's hard to come back from yeah, and still be 100% right. who you were. 100%. And if he loses even a little bit of the speed or quickness, that's where his value was. Right. Does he become maybe more of a crafty slot guy that can get open yeah. underneath, but he can't really stretch the stretch defenses vertically? Well, right. Well, and then, and then, okay, so he that's the case. He can take the top off of defense, you know? I mean, then where does Deshaun Hamilton get on the field? You know, you right. You start right. to because that's kind of the role that you're hoping that he can fill right now. Right, assuming he can learn to do more than run a curl route. Right, and this then Tim is Tim Patrick suddenly the fastest wideout <laughs> right. on the you know which I'm a believer in Tim Patrick, but is is Tim Patrick or Jawan Winfrey like your big play guy now? Right, and I know there's there's a lot of optimism in the young this young receiving core. We shouldn't count him out just yet. But I think it's also important when you analyze it through a broader scope of how does this receiving core stack up against the best receiving cores around the NFL or even around the AFC West where, you know, you've got guys like Keenan Allen and Antonio Brown and uh, even if Tyreek Hill is gone, which he should be, Sammy Watkins and what have you, uh, the Broncos are a bit behind the eight ball. But that's okay, because 2020 sets up so nicely. This could really be one of the great wide receiver classes we've seen in a decade. I mean, in a while, man. Yeah. They've been hard to come by recently, um, which is weird a because they use first so round busts. Yeah, 100%. A lot of first-round busts to the point where the NFL was like, why are we taking these guys again? Right, to where the position's now undervalued. So, yeah, it got de- um, they de- devalued it because guys just weren't panning out, and you were finding all your stars in the middle and on day two. Yep, yeah, it's true. Uh, but coming in, man, this is a stacked class. Unbelievable. I mean, Jerry Judy is a is a star. Jerry Judy of Alabama, just over six feet, insane speed. Yeah. Speed to get open, ability, yak for days. Mm-hmm. Uh, he and Tua just put on a show. We're unbelievable. Absolutely. I think pretty good hands, like the ability to extend from his body and just a pure playmaker. And as I was saying, Tua no longer that consensus top prospect. Most places you look, it's either Chase Young's the top prospect in this class mm-hmm. or it's Jerry Judy. Yeah, and justifiably so today after the performance he put on last year. It'll be interesting to see how defenses react. 
Yeah. Uh, and, and you know, you can't ever just be like, oh, well, we'll just ignore the Alabama running game. Right, right. But, I mean, you've got to do something to try and lock down Jerry Judy. They're so loaded, I think. Judy's still going to find plenty yeah, of Yeah, well, and on the other side of him is another guy that you could be talking about as a first-rounder, so... Henry Ruggs III. Yeah. I mean, let's mention him. He's He might be faster than Jerry Judy. And, like... <laughs> Maybe has more raw talents, even though Judy's more productive and the more fascinating player right now. Um, so just at Alabama, you have two guys that could help upgrade this offense yeah. well, significantly. It's funny you said, well, just at Alabama, we'll just go to the national championship game. 100%. Yeah. Because uh, you got T. Higgins on the other side of that. Yeah. And cool. this is Clemson, a guy with length. Clemson's got a couple years of these guys oh, coming know. up. I know. Yeah. To the 2021 draft is going to be like all Clemson <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Um, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields. <laughs> right. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Yeah. Fields will be interesting. Um, so T oh, Higgins is another guy up there locally. We've got LaVisca Chanel who, right. I mean, everybody, you can't press it. Anybody that listens to an RK pod should know all about this guy, right? Like there's, there's yeah. no question that he's a, just a superstar. Unbelievable. I think his speed and quickness is underrated. This guy, you want to press him? and Forget the fact that he's built like a a fullback, so right. he's so big. And he'll... Everybody was talking about DK Metcalf, and oh, look at him. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, no. Look at LaVisca. Right. He's so quick off the line. There's I've never seen anyone stick with him in press coverage. He just burns you. He's just gone. And then ball ball in his hands, he's the most dynamic runner I've seen at wide receiver in such a long time. Well, and that's why they got him involved in the running game. Was they were oh, like, yeah. He was okay, an extension of the running game. We've got yeah. this plotter as our running back this right. year, and you know we can't, we can't get big plays going. Right. This is clearly our best player on offense. We just need to get the ball in his hands and let him go do as much as he possibly can for us. Right, and with and the connection. He had, what, five rushing touchdowns this year? Yeah, because they put him in the wildcat yeah. and just let him and, go, or they give him jet sweeps, or you know, he had he had the strength and the speed to to, oh, yeah. to make it happen. He could get around the edge, mm-hmm. you know, and and plow his way through those couple of yards and get in the end zone. Man, he strong was, hands, that's a real deal. Good body positioning. He was a legit Heisman candidate for the first five six weeks before oh, yeah. he got injured. Uh, yeah. He was just I mean, that dynamic and incredible. Colorado State fans are still having nightmares about that kid. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, Arizona State fans. You Nebraska. Know, Nebraska, yeah. Like, Nebraska, he tore them apart in their building. Well, just Nebraska, Nebraska fans don't have nightmares because they live a nightmare <laughs> by being Nebraska fans. Then you have C.D. Lamb, just a physical specimen. Maybe yeah. the best hands of all. Just a pure outside wide receiver. He's going to go up and get it and dominate you. Um just another guy, like, number one potential for days. Jalen Rigar, um, who sounds like one of Daenerys' uh, dragons. Oh, yeah. Um, from does. TCU, a burner who was amazing at TCU last season. Can't wait to see what he can do again. On we go. I mean, Donovan Peoples-Jones from Michigan. This, this, is my, this is my guy. I love him. Freak. Not only does um, he have an awesome name. Or, yeah, very good name. Like I feel like I feel like when he gets done, he'll be uh he's he's got the kind of name that would fit perfectly in like a as an activist, a social activist. <laughs> yeah, you actually know? does. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't thought of that. That's a good point. Like, 
the, the, the 20, like, 35 Freedom Riders will be led by Donovan Peoples-Jones. <laughs> right. And, you know, my guy might be Denzel Mims from Baylor. You Link. always have, like, this random Baylor guy that you love every year. Do I? So, it's been Jared Stidham the last couple of years. It's the Jared Stidham-Baylor tape. Yes, yeah. <laughs> even though he wasn't. Um, but it always seems like every year there's, like, one dude with, like, a Baylor connection where you're like, I love that dude. And I'm like, funny hey, you say that. You and Baylor, man. Yeah, you may have a point there. Um, Mims, though. That's fine. I, I was like that with Clemson before Clemson became what Clemson. Clemson. Before they yeah. became the monster that yeah. they are. Mims is long, but he's also fast. And I've seen him make some incredible catches. Um, Tylen Wallace out of Oklahoma State was one of the leaders in the nation for receiving yards a year ago. And he's a speedster who just can't be contained. Yeah, I mean, mean, Oklahoma State loses James Washington and just keeps going. Yeah, and we are... We are merely skimming off the top. Right. Like, these are these are all guys that are, like, top 40 guys. Yeah, these are, like, minuscule. I'm, I have over 10 in my top 30 right now. Obviously, very early okay. rankings, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, again, like, it's, but, May, it's May of a draft that we're previewing 11 months early. Yeah, so. I mean... And that's the class we're walking into this year. It's insane. And if you, you know, everything works out with Fant, the O-line improves as we expect it, mm-hmm. Locke develops, you know, whatever with Flacco, the running game takes the next step in yeah. the development we saw. Positions of need that you're really looking at. Right. You're, it's going to be, you're going to be looking wide receiver, mm-hmm. you know, maybe defensive backfield. Yep. Linebacker. Linebacker is still going to be a high priority because it's right now Todd Davis and Josie Jewell and yeah. maybe Justin Hollins. Yeah. Which, as intrigued as I am to see how that goes, just because I don't know what it looks like, yeah. and I, it's yeah. easy for me to dream on it being like, oh, well, they solved that. They solved up with Justin, right. Justin Hollins, and we don't have to worry about it anymore, and he's right. going to dominate and take over, and he's yeah. going to replace my love for Al Wilson. Not always that easy. But the chance of that actually happening pretty slim. He's wearing Ian Gold's old uh, 52, so that's fun. Oh, man. I had an Ian, Ian Gold, Gold jersey. Yeah. I actually had a jersey for each of those guys. I'm not surprised. I have a low-key, real big soft spot for that 2005 Broncos team. Yeah. That same. was all defense, you know. Yeah. Ian Gold, Al Wilson, DJ Williams, Champ was at the mm-hmm. top of his game. Those were fun. Oh, yeah, dude. Those two, were fun Two-thirds teams. of the world is covered by, uh, two-thirds of the earth is covered by H2O, and the other one-third is covered by Champ Bailey. Truer words have never been spoken. That's right. That is actually factually correct. There is one other potential area of need, and we're focusing on just offense all the time. John Elway has has started to fix this offense, and we're just riding that train out, and we're going to talk about that on the next segment. This is the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Alex, and we'll be right back. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. 
We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have referred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to piperelectric.com. Welcome back in, third and final segment here of this week's BSM Broncos Draft Podcast. Mm-hmm. Andre, we've gone through quarterbacks, we've gone through wide receivers. We're yes. going to stay on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Let's get into a position they did address Yeah, in the offensive line. Mm-hmm. But as you mentioned earlier, this could be Garrett Bowles' last shot. I don't know if you mentioned it earlier on the show or one of the million conversations we had off air. But we've talked about it recently. Yeah. This is this is kind of it. Yeah. He's got to prove it. It's put up or shut up time for him. And if he falls to pieces, then or just doesn't clean up the stuff he needs to clean up. Period. Yeah. I mean, again, finished strong at the end of the year last year. Mm -hmm. Mike Munchak coming in. Mm -hmm. You know, Dalton Rizzo is going to be playing next to him. Lots of reasons for optimism here. Yeah. Hundred percent. Certainly enough reason to believe that this is, okay, it's time. But if he doesn't get that stuff cleaned up, they could easily be in the market for that position again in the first round. A starting left tackle. And, you know, we've seen with Russell Okung and Juwan James in the last three, four years, those guys come at a premium. Do not need to be special to get rich anymore in the NFL. No. I mean, like, rich, rich. Yeah. So, you know, it needs to it needs to be said that even even though I don't think this this class as of right now for for this twenty twenty class has any like really high end tackles, mm-hmm. there are guys that have certainly starter potential. Yeah, and that's enough right now. Yeah, I think especially you and I... on a rookie contract. Yeah, no kidding. I like mean, that's behind huge. a quarterback rookie contract, a, a a tackle rookie contract is becoming one of the biggest values in the league because of the way teams are paying that position. Look at the money: Juwan James, Nate Solder, back to back Nate, uh, Trent Brown, Trent Brown, and they're gonna play him at right tackle. They paid him all that money to be a right tackle for them. We'll see. I, I... Well, so, I mean, we'll say, yeah. I'm sure. I mean, obviously, Skeptical. Colton Miller, neither one of us believes in Colton Miller, so we don't think that'll be a long term, but that's their plan. Yeah, that's Their plan when they signed him to that deal was to put him on the right side. That's crazy. So, where he probably is a better fit. What I'm, what I'm saying here is rookie tackles are suddenly, you know, rookie contract tackles mm-hmm. are suddenly an extremely valuable commodity. Yeah. 100%. You know, look at Tennessee's been able to throw money and money and money after 
at different positions in free agency the last couple of years because they've had a guy like Jack Conklin. Yeah, and Taylor Lewin. And, you know, when those deals are up and it's time to pay up for those cats. I mean, that's starting already. Right. Yeah. It's it's It changes the dynamic yeah. of where you're allowed to spend the money on your roster. Yeah. Then Look at Dallas. Mm-hmm. Dallas has spent all that money keeping that fantastic line together. And now they've got themselves into a bit of a pickle with their quarterback. Yeah, right. And I mean, the, I mean, their quarterback and Amari Cooper to, and Ezekiel Elliott right. all have to get extensions, right. and they've already poured all that money into the offensive line. So, my point is, is even even an average starting left tackle on a rookie contract is one of the more valuable commodities in the NFL right now. Yeah, it's a solid point. And I must say, you and I were probably just a smidge lower than most on this offensive tackle class. We started out really high on it, and then the game started getting played. And, like, Greg Little dropped off the map immediately. You mean, I mean, the 2020 class. Oh, yeah. Coming. I mean, last year's class, we started out high on it. And they kind of worked our way down as as we got to watch these guys more and more. This year's class, we're already not as high on it as as we're we're those a bit around more guarded us. now. Yeah, well, and you know, is my love of Greg Little got me burned last year. One of the guys that was on our list though was Trey Adams, who got hurt mm-hmm. and will be will be back at Washington this year yeah. to give it another go. He's an interesting guy. Yeah, I mean, the size is all there. He can he can mole and when you when you're big the the feet don't need to be too nimble because your reach is so good you can keep guys at bay he really needs to take that next step it was nice to see him back last year um, this is going to be a big year for him and the two head maybe the three headliners are really Andrew Thomas the left tackle at Georgia both of Georgia's tackles are NFL talents um, imagine that yeah then you have Walker Little at Sanford. And Tristan Wirfs at Iowa um, might be the most interesting of all. We know how well Iowa develops them. And, you know, I'm intrigued by Alex Leatherwood, who's played all over the line for Alabama, and you've got some hyped... Those guys that play everywhere early in their careers, and then just because they've got so much talent blocking them, and and they, they survive, that's, to me, that's such an amazing testament. You know, I mean, Dalton Dalton Rizner. Yep. You know, plays center and then moves around, ends up out there at tackle, and you're like, a guy that just comes in and was good enough that they found a spot for him, even though it wasn't a natural position for him, and, and they do well. Yep. And they continue, and they justify continuing to get played at these positions. I love guys like that. Guys that have those stories and those backgrounds of, well, he's played this position and that position. It just... For me, I you know, and we've talked about this pod a lot, I, how much I love versatility in players. Yeah. And I mean, it's a huge trait to have. Being able to play multiple positions, it's easier because you also have an understanding of what the other guy's jobs are going to be, uh, you know, what their assignments look like through those eyes. Not just in an X's and O's standpoint, but you've lived it. You understand it. You have just a better all-around picture of what's going on around you, how your job you know, affects the other job mm-hmm. and, and getting your job done is a key to every play for these five reasons, you know, and you know how we millennials are. We need explanations for things. Oh yeah. God forbid. And then whatever this other generation behind or Josh Rosen. Um, and yeah, I mean, right? you have starting left tackles at Wisconsin and Notre Dame who are going to be draft eligible. You have 
very highly tight recruits like Trey Smith of Tennessee, Isaiah Wilson of Georgia, who plays right tackle, who are going to be in this mix. So it's a class with a lot of talent. I think we're on a, we're in wait and see mode with a yeah. lot of these guys. These are guys that are going to have to work their way up. Whereas yeah. last year we started out with both Jonah Williams and Greg Little on our top ten and watched them work their way down. Yeah. Now Jonah Williams stabilized. Yeah. yeah, he stabilized. It looked like he was going to be a late first when the season ended. And then as the process went on and he went through testing and everything happened, he worked his way back up and ultimately found a home at 11. Yeah, he made it through the combine and survived despite the shorter arms, which was huge for him. And where he ultimately ends up being being used uh, in his career will be interesting to see. Yeah, totally. It, because if that if, if he becomes a, an elite guard at 11... It's a little bit of a ding on the value, and yeah. you're not you're not yeah. going to get upset. Oh no, I have an elite offensive lineman in right. an area where teams are dying for competence. You know, okay, yeah, but yeah. you still you still need to, you still you know if if they don't get that, uh, you know, then they're still looking for a, a tackle. Right, and versatility was key for Jonah. You know, being able to yeah. play right tackle as a freshman and then left tackle and hold it down for so long that was really important. Um, from my perspective. But so, you know, if Bulls does fail, if he doesn't take that next jump, and that's really there what will be options. On. Yeah. Right, because if he does, he takes that huge next jump under Mike Munchak. Even and if he takes a, a, a jump towards consistency. I mean, geez, you just need to make those holding calls not right. be in the double digits. I mean, have the holding penalties and be consistent, and you're fine. Yeah, totally. He'll make $10 million a right. year. And you've got to remember about Bulls, he's going to be playing in the offense he was drafted to play. Absolutely. A, a very, very much one that's going to capitalize on his athleticism, uh, that's going to put him in better positions to succeed than he ever has been in his career. Yeah. Without a doubt, right. more optimism than I have ever felt about Garrett Totally. Though, you know, pass protection, zone block only goes so far. Right. Like, in pass he's, pro, you've, you've, got to, you've got to be able to do it. You've got to use those elite traits you have and... Make Keep that fool in front of you and don't yank on him. Yeah, yeah, total. Don't be tackling guys. Don't go fishing. Just, you know, just don't do it. Yeah, and stay balanced. Like trust your technique. Um, yeah. So, and well, then roller skating is for teenagers, not left tackles. That's exactly right. Wow. <laughs> um, you know, just to kind of tie a bow on this Broncos-centric 2020 preview, mm-hmm. this is a really talented running back. And it's funny because we're not talking about it much, yeah. but like it's being overshadowed by the depth, quarterbacks. Depth is an issue uh-huh. because it's we know heavy. we know that. Well, and I mean for Denver, even oh sure, sure, because also top heavy. Phil Lindsay's great. Yep, can Phil Lindsay stay healthy across an entire NFL season? Is Royce Freeman the guy that we saw early in the season or late in the season? Yep. Can Royce Freeman stay healthy across an entire season? Right, and is Devontae Booker Why are we still doing this with Devontae Booker is my next question. Yeah, totally. So, you know, there's there's real questions there. Mm-hmm. You know, Phil Lindsay was obviously a great find and, and a good step towards solving that position. And if Royce Freeman can be a legitimate backup to him and they can work the way that they worked totally. last year when they were at their best, then this is not a position that you have to be overly concerned about but one that you'll look at on draft day next year and say, hey, we could use some depth. Right. Because Devontae Booker is not going right. to, more than likely, I don't feel like it's going to happen now. Sure. You know, How often does it happen five years in? Yeah. In the NFL. In the NFL, rarely. It's, rarely it's just not, yeah. you know, four years in. 
You yeah. know, you don't, you don't, normally guys in the NFL just don't get this kind of leeway. Mm-hmm. They don't get the sort of leash that Booker has had in his career. Mm-hmm. Where, you know, there were flashes in the rookie season. And, I mean, remember Monte Ball had flashes in the rookie season. And that dude oh, yeah. was gone five minutes later. Yeah, he was going in first rounds of fantasy drafts before that season started. Monte Ball was insane. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, there's going to be talent. And as you say, it's promising. But we, that situation could flip in the running back room and all of a sudden. I mean, one like, injury and, and Freeman is your starter. And all of a sudden, the whole dynamic of that unit is... Change. Yeah, totally. You know, and I mean, even if it's if Freeman is the one that gets hurt, you still have Phil Lindsay. Okay, great, you have your stud, but that's not a guy that you're giving the ball to 25, 30 times. Right. You might want to give him 25 touches, but you're not going to hand it off to him like that over and over and over and then let, let that wear and tear build on that tiny little body. Yeah, no, you're You're right. not doing that. <laughs> I mean, you should. And, I mean, so, boy, the more you look at the 2020 class, the more 2019 was a great draft. Yeah. Because it, also, we kept tight end. So I know you're not all for it, but getting sure. a tight end, this I mean, was the year to you're, pounce. You're done. Like, this was the year to pounce. You know that you sure. don't have to worry about it next year going mm-hmm. into it. Especially, especially if either Butter or Hireman proved to be a, a legitimate like number two caliber option. And, and, and Fan has a solid rookie yeah. season. Right. Then all of a sudden you're like, I feel great about that position. Yeah. We don't need to continue to pour capital into it because it's right. it's been it's it's been a black hole for this team yeah. they keep using resources for yeah. it you know it's since julius thomas left really it's just been fifth round picks third round picks fourth round picks second round picks you know it's now they've used a first if you can't solve the position that after you do all that just play with the sixth offensive lineman i get mean, the tight end position all together you said I mean, if, if you can't solve it after that, you first of all, you need to seriously <coughs> revamp your evaluation of the position. Yeah. Because if you can't get an NFL player after, what, four or five years straight of drafting at the at, at the position, and I get it, like, you you know, the they used, Hireman was a, a third rounder, mm-hmm. and Fant was the first rounder, you know, Fumagalli and Butt were both fifth rounders. Right. And I mean, so, injuries just played it. Right. Well, and every, again, every guy. Every, rookie year. Every. So, fans is trying to avoid, like, the tight end curse. Right. Which I'd right. never thought about until we were <laughs> right. recording the show. So, I mean, we've liked what they've done on offense, but 2020, they can take, they can just build on They've that. set themselves up so that their weaknesses align with the class's strengths. Yeah. And I don't know that that was entirely on purpose or if it just worked out that way. But, I mean, it, But right yeah. now, if this draft class is as good as we feel it's going mm-hmm. to be... And it lines oh, no. up with, with what they want to do next year. You're talking about they will have built three consecutive, they will have an opportunity to build three consecutive draft classes that will revamp the entire future of the organization. Yeah. And and I'm not I'm not afraid to say that if they continue, if they develop and they hit the way that we think that they are going to mm-hmm. on the the two draft classes they've had already, yeah. I mean you're talking all those guys are gonna be starters and and high-end role players for you, you're talking, this is going to be a team that's going to be a really big handful in a big hurry. Yeah. and They feel like, to me, right now, they feel like they're a bit of a sleeping giant. Yeah, and in two years, that offense that we've been complaining about since the Super Bowl 50 season 
could really have turned around and become the strength of this unit. Absolutely. Well, and as long as Von Miller is still around, as long as Bradley Chubb is still around, you're going to create problems for other teams. Yep, 100%. And defensively, 2020 doesn't set up great at cornerback, doesn't set up great at inside linebacker. So maybe Chris Harris Jr. becomes more of a priority. Maybe mm-hmm. Holland's panning out becomes more of a priority. Yeah, and and then, I mean, if There'll none of that... There'll be fun classes to monitor, for sure. If none, of the, if none of that ends up happening, we saw how much they truly valued the inside linebacker position anyway. They could have taken the guy that the team that they traded down with took, took and they will be competing with a play for a playoff spot and in yeah. the playoffs over the next several years. It obviously was not as important to them as it was for them to go get a tight end and, to, and you know, it ended up getting them their quarterback and on and on and on. It's right. going to be something that pays for them, that could pay out huge for them in a way where you're like, well, yeah, you, the, the inside linebacker wasn't that important. Right. If they can just continue to scrape by at that position, great. But you can't have any more of these George Kittle explosions. Nope. Those need to be over. Yeah. And so it's it's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out and how all the puzzle pieces fit. But looking at it the way that we did today and how you know the class's strengths and weaknesses align up with Denver's, you feel really good. Always playing the long game, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Well, and it's it's different because we felt it was it was so short sighted for yep. so long. Mm-hmm. I was so frustrated after the fan pick, not just because of the tight end, because I felt everything was all about now. Yeah, and then the rest of the class happened, and you could start to see the long all the pieces getting put into place and the long term vision that was that was going on here, and it's intelligent, yeah. and it's. It's, you know, it's it's intelligent design. It's, it's really, really well done by them. 100%. They've said, and obviously now it's on the coaching staff to turn those guys into players. But just in terms of the front office's job of getting them talent at positions and building an overall roster, after two, the last two drafts and looking ahead at next year, I feel great about it. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. So that's exciting stuff for sure. Yeah. What else is exciting, Andre? Well, you tell me, AJ. You got something exciting on your mind? Yeah. I do. Oh. And the thing that I have that's exciting on my mind is Live Well Enlighten Health, which is your go-to dispensary for the best deals on the highest quality quality cannabis products. Members of Live Well's free rewards program have access to $30 pre-way half ounces and $60 pre-way ounces every single day. Nice. Live Well has 16 locations across Colorado from the Four Corners all the way up to Fort Collins with six locations in the Denver area. Visit livewell.com slash BSN for all the most up-to-date sales and promotions. That's livewell, spelled L-I-V-W-E-L-L, dot com slash BSN. That does it for us this week here at uh, BSN headquarters. Yeah. This has been the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Lixenall. We'll see you guys next week.